props. You beat a Power 5 school in Nebraska, but it's still a very terrible Nebraska team that is still not a pimple on the Big Ten's ass. All right? Uh, and then you came out, and like I said, double overtime against Colorado State. That is where Colorado got exposed for the football team that they are. I'm not saying that they're a terrible football team. I'm not saying that by any means. But they are not a Power 5 competitive football team. They are not ready to be in the talk of greatness. They are not ready. All About the Balls Podcast. With Mark Davis, Chris Kameinhart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome to All About the Balls Podcast. I'm Mark Davis in the sack house, ready to talk college football with the one and only Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. No Chris Kameinhart, no Luke Rule. Some things happened last minute. The show must go on, though. They told us to carry out the show and just, you know, do it for them tonight. So, Doc, how are you doing? Big weekend for Florida State this past weekend as they finally beat Clemson the first time since 2014, which was Jameis Winston's last year, bye week this week. So how are you feeling? Oh, real good, man. Real good coming off a Clemson win. Uh, you know, seven-game losing streak against Clemson, being able to finally beat that on the road against Clemson as well. Hard-fought game. Uh, very good Clemson team that I thought still should be ranked. Uh, so real good, to, real good to finally get that one off. Yeah, it was big for you guys. I think, you know, they only have one more test left. I believe that is going to be the Duke Blue Devils, which they have a big game this weekend, which we're going to talk about um, later on when we hype up this weekend's schedule. But, yeah, you guys do play Duke at home, though, in October, at the end of October. So we'll see what Duke's going to be like around that time. Yeah, a shout-out to Chris's team. Uh, LSU Tigers took the boot from Arkansas, also known as Arkansas to some of us, but – uh, also, Luke's team, Doc, UCF, first conference play. They lost to Kansas State. Tough loss, I guess, to start the Big 12 era for the UCF Knights, huh? Yeah, I mean, tough loss for them. Um, I don't know, a lot of hype, obviously. Um, you know, there's a team that's been, you know, building a program over the last over the last few seasons. Um, I almost took UCF in that game. Um, so, real glad that I was able to – able to change that out and, and pick right because that would have been a devastating loss for me and Pickums this week. And they play Baylor this weekend. UCF does at UCF, so it will be a 3.30 p.m. game. Texas started off the Big 12 conference play with a win, dominating win over Baylor, 38-6. to Love to see it. I mean, I honestly do. It's still a little sketchy on the offensive line, but we'll hopefully get that right for this week as we have a big game. But, Doc, let's start off. I think this is why Chris didn't want to show up. I think he made an excuse. We're going to start off with Northern Dame and Ohio State. Ohio State was six coming into it. Northern Dame was number nine coming into it. And Northern Dame, it was not an ugly, it was not a pretty win at all for Ohio State. Let's just throw that out there. It was a very defensive game. I was impressed by both defenses, Doc. But Kyle McCord looked good on the last drive. He let him down there. The Irish had a mental error the last two plays. Only had 10 men on the field. The last play with one second left when they scored. Very key to have that 11th guy. Maybe he would have been there to clog up the hole and stop the running back. So big win for Ohio State, huh? Yeah, huge win for Ohio State. Um, holding their ground, taking a win over over number nine, Notre Dame. Um, obviously, like you said, it was a very defensive game. Came down to that last second play. Uh, but, you know, it showed, it showed a lot to me. I know I've talked a lot of shit about Notre Dame, but it showed that their defense could stand up to number six, Ohio State. But, uh, 
you know, defenses aren't going to solely win games. You know, you still got to have an offense to go with it. And Hartman, although having played well, uh, very well this season, um, you know, I thought I thought came up real short against uh, Ohio agree, State. I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even going to say that. You know, uh, Colin McCord outperformed him. I thought I, re- I really did. I really didn't think he outperformed him. And, and Chris was high on Hartman. He was up there in the Heisman candidate. I, and we're going to talk about it later. I still think he's up there. But, you know, only having a 17 of 25 for 175 yards and a TD. Didn't turn the ball over, so that's good. But he did not look like Sam Hartman the first three games or the first four games of the year that they that they played. So, I, I mean, it, like you said, I'm impressed with Northern Dame. I thought the defense was good. We saw what they could do against Ohio State. I'm still shaky on Ohio State's offense. Uh they need to get together before they play Penn State and Michigan. I know that's still a little ways away, but you have to have a good offense against those teams if you want to compete in the Big Ten. So Ohio State has some work to do, too, on the offensive end. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And Kyle McCord connecting on on just 21 of 37 passes for 240 yards. I mean, numbers-wise, um, the numbers you know, were there for the passing yards for him. Um, the average per attempt, the QBR was higher, but um, – you know, like you said, you know, with with Hartman being a Heisman candidate, you've got to come out and you've got to do better. You've got it if you want if you want to be a power a powerhouse team, you want to prove that you deserve a playoff spot. All those things. I mean, you've got to have a quarterback that that throws better than 175 yards in a in a prime time game like this. I mean, this was a huge, huge game for Notre Dame this season. A win here could have cemented uh, their season for them, but they came up short. I mean. I said it before. I'll say it again. Hartman's got to play better. I expected more. Uh, I know that I've I've talked a lot on them, um, you know, and their weak strength of schedule, and you know whether or not they really deserve to be talked about the way they do. I mean, Hartman obviously he had the numbers coming into this game, but he he did exactly what I was expecting this offense to do um, against any real competition. It goes back to what I said in previous episodes about Notre Dame being in the national championship against Alabama in 2013. Um, you know, another prime example of a team performing well all season but playing nobody and then coming into the national championship just getting absolutely steamrolled because they just – they look good on paper. They look good against cupcake schools, but when they get up against real stiff competition, uh, they came up real short in that game. So not quite that uh, that kind of shortcoming this week against Ohio State, um, but it really just showed that the defense is, is what's carrying Notre Dame. And also, Doc, I've mentioned it several thousand times to you, to everyone that I talk to sports-wise, the Northern Dame Fighting Irish not being in a conference for uh, football. It's going to hurt them this year because you see the Pac-12 dominating. You see Florida State kicking ass. The SEC has Georgia and Bama still in there. And you have Texas and Oklahoma. These teams play in the Big Ten, obviously. These teams have conference championships. And the Irish need a miracle for something to happen with at least two conferences where they could slide back in there. Yes, they still play USC, but them only going 11 and one, let's say, for example, I don't know if that's going to be enough to even get them in the four man playoff this year, maybe a 12 man next year, but a four man playoff, it really hurts the Irish to make that jump back into the playoffs just because you need a miracle. They only did fall two spots. They went from nine to 11. So they respect them enough. And I, I I'm okay with the ranking. I think going to 11 is not a bad, Bad yeah, drop, you lost but, number six overall, let's be honest. Yeah, and you lost by a field goal. I mean, yeah, I get it. the defense looked good in the last drive. They gave it up, but the offense is the reason why I think they lost the game. Coaching error by Marcus Freeman, he owned up to it, you know, only having 10 men on the field. Um, but it's going to be hard for them to get back in that four-man talk uh, towards the end of the season, unless something happens. 
Yeah, and this is where, this is where, like you said, being in that conference really helps. Um, I mean, you're talking a a Notre Dame team. Hey, let me pull up. Let me pull this up here real quick. You're talking about their schedule, or are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they still play Duke this weekend. That's a big game. You know, against top twenty team. You still have USC, but even if you do go eleven one, that's that's what I was saying. It's like you have Utah. You have. Um, you have Washington out there in the Pac-12. You have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama. Even LSU can make a comeback. So it's it's not looking good. I still, I mean, I think their schedule. They have they have some tough teams left that will help their their strength of schedule. It's just what are you going to do when these all these top conference? You know, what, let's say you have a twelve and one conference, uh, or let's say Texas goes twelve and one. You're going to kick Texas out and put the Fighting Irish in the the playoffs. Who went eleven and one? No, I'm not. Honestly, um, and, and this goes back into the you know the, like as getting to the strength schedule you talked about. Open up the season against Navy, then what? Tennessee State, North Carolina State. Uh, that's Power Five school, but Central Michigan. I mean, this has just been, you know, any any Power Five schools better than a Central Michigan, better than a. Um, Tennessee State, better than a, a University of Massachusetts, Minutemen. I mean, you drop a big game like Notre Dame, we'll see what happens against Duke this week. Duke is a big game this week. Um, you know, I, I am projecting Notre Dame to come out on top on this one, but as you continue to roll through the season, man, I mean, Stanford may be a Power 5, but it's a very, very weak Power 5 team. You're not playing, you know, these powerhouses. And they've got a couple of – this is probably one of their tougher schedules that I've seen in recent years. You know, uh, USC is a usual game for them. Um, you know, USC is, is – Yeah, USC is relevant again, and we'll see, we'll see what Notre Dame does against Clemson. Clemson was very, very impressive this week. Klubnik finally looked like a quarterback. He did look a little better. I agree. And uh, Shipley's, well, I mean, he's one of the best players in the nation when he's when Shipley he's looking like the next McCaffrey, man. Yeah, he was looking good. So, but Doc, I want to wind back on Ohio State. You know, can Ohio State figure out this offense? Can they get it going right before? I mean, they've already played conference play, but they're, re, they're bringing it back up. They do have, they're on a bye week, but they you know come out of that bye week with Maryland and P- Purdue. And then they have the game at Ohio State with Penn State. So they have two weeks to get ready for Penn State. Is it – well, actually three weeks technically ready for Penn State if you're counting this week. But can Ohio State figure out this offense? Can they get rolling? The running backs look good. I know Harrison didn't have a great game, but Ibuka had a good game, I thought. I mean, he was really impressive that last drive as well. Can Kyle McCord get it going? Yeah, they absolutely can. I mean, Kyle McCord I don't think is the guy. It's like it's similar to, to Alabama. You know, Mil- Milrow is just not the quarterback for Alabama. Sam McCord is not the quarterback for Ohio State. But, you know, you've got the cards that you've drawn, so you gotta you got to find a way to work with what you got. Um, I think that, that Ohio State can definitely figure it out. They're very good at doing that, uh, very consistent at doing that year after year. Um, Henderson, phenomenal game, especially against a, a tough um, – Notre Dame defense that that looked like they were just locking down the run all game long. Um, Henderson had a couple of breakouts. Uh, you know, you take off that sixty-one yard run for that that Henderson took to the house, and you know it's not as impressive. Thirteen for forty-three yards. I mean, is is not yeah, that impressive? That yeah. So Notre Dame, I mean, held out the run the run defense very well. Um, but Henderson made it happen, right? That's what college football. A lot of it is that one big play, especially on the running game. Um, so I think that, you know, this was just, this is an Ohio state team that's, that's learning to work together 
under under you know with uh, McCord under center. So um, Egbuka had a great game, like you said. Harrison Jr. had a great game. I think he kind of got stopped up with that injury. Um, what was that early in the second half? Uh, I thought or did he was... come up limp in the first half. I thought it was on the third or the fourth. I, I could be. I don't honestly remember. I know. He yeah, I don't remember on. exactly. He, he didn't miss much time either, to be honest. No, he no, he didn't. He, I think he only. I mean, they they punted. I think right after, and I think he was out there the very next drive because they taped him back up. But um, regardless, it, it it still affects the impact that that player has. You know, when he's coming out, he, he's taking it easy on that ankle. He's not running routes as hard. He maybe doesn't have the speed that he had. Um, so when you're talking about a team going to crunch time and and hitting that you know, last 10 minutes of the game uh, and kind of how the offense has turned it up. We see it across the NFL all the time. Um, you know, quarterbacks are that five-minute quarterback, right? They they suck all game long, uh, playing a little game, and then all of a sudden when they're trying to go through the air, uh, we saw with, with Florida State and Clemson, you know what I mean? The, the late game between those two teams was unbelievable. Um, but I think that they can definitely come together. You know, they've they've got to do it quick because, like you said, they've got Penn State coming up. So, you know, Maryland's going to be – Going to be a big test in how this team gels, but I think uh, I think Ohio State might be in trouble this year under McCord. I think they can I think they can bring it together, but I think that they're not they're not going the distance not with McCord. Yeah, I th- I'm kind of regretting that, and I, I think we're going to tease it a little later. I know I didn't talk about that, but we're going to see her if we any have any updates with our Final Four. But yeah, I don't think I have Ohio State there. But hey, we'll see what they can do the next few weeks. I know bye week this week, and then those Maryland Purdue before Penn State. That's going to be the big game at the end of October, towards the end of October. But Doc. Another game that was heavily invested, you know, heavily talked about leading up to it was the Oregon Ducks hosting the Colorado Buffaloes. No Travis Hunter, and like I said, the defense. I understand he would he would maybe lock up the number one. Oregon still scores, in my opinion, but Travis Hunter might give them a couple more touchdowns. Maybe instead of losing forty two six, they lose forty two twenty one. They still, you know, maybe push because the spread was twenty one. But Oregon put the hammer down on them. I'm looking at it right here. They were up literally 13-0, and it was fourth down and four on their own, 17, and Oregon said, fuck it, we're going to do a fake punt on their what own 17. What a gamble. Yeah, so like you, you see they clearly did not respect them. They didn't have no faith in, in Colorado at all, like even having a matchup with them. So, And I think Oregon's legit. I mean, I think this is a good Oregon team. Bo Nix, fucking phenomenal game, 28 of 33, 276, three TDs. Yes, had interception early on. But he outperformed Shadur Sanders. Shadur Sanders also got sacked seven times. So the O-line in the trenches just not look good, Doc, for Colorado. Nothing looked good for Colorado, honestly. No, no, not at all. Honestly, um, you know, we, we've talked about this offline. Uh, you know, I Colorado did not get exposed in this game. Colorado got exposed last week against Colorado State going to double overtime. Colorado State, one of the one of the worst teams in college football. I think when I looked it up, I, and I, I don't remember it exactly, so don't quote me on it, but I want to say, you know, Colorado somewhere around like 110 out of 133 uh, D1 schools. Um, and at home, to, to be going to double overtime, to need that win is, I mean, that showed a lot last week. Rivalry game or not, it showed a lot that you couldn't come down with it. Um, there are plenty, like, everybody has rivalry games. You know what I'm saying? And yes. and and, the, and if, you're, if you're a well-built team, everybody comes out on top. You know, yes, you're going to have some struggles. Um, Florida State had a tough game with Boston College, but at the end of the day, Colorado needed to do better than six points, re- regardless of the situation, uh, rivalry game or not. Uh, they needed to do better than six points. Um, there were a lot of talks. You know, it's been one of the weak points of Colorado is the offensive line, and yes, yeah, six sacks. Um, Oregon came out strong, came out firing. 
What's they're that? one of the they're one of the worst um, rushing teams in the nation. So like not yeah. running the ball. Yeah, also, they finished that's... forty yards rushing. Twenty five rushes for forty yards. I mean, honestly, I don't think Travis Hunter makes that big of a deal. Um, but I also think that Oregon Oregon let up. You know what I mean? It was thirty five nothing at the half. I think Oregon came out. They got that for the next touchdown quickly, and I think that Oregon really slowed up after that. Um, and kind of just started playing with their food, evidenced by five incompletions by Bonex all game long, the one interception. Um, you know, he came off slinging like he was the first half. I mean, this is easily, easily a 70 point game. Colorado through four games is averaging 55.8 yards per game. That is second to last, just, just ahead of Sam Houston Bearcats. So you're literally one of the worst, you're the second worst team, you're the worst power five team put that way and, you know and, and this is what gets me man and this a lot of people i talked to a lot of people about this all week long um talking about like oh that was you know just this kind of game or that kind of game uh you know oh colorado just had a bad game whatever like you gotta understand something this is a jackson state football team all right these guys were not power five recruits they're only in the power five because they went through the transfer portal to play for Coach Prime, which is fine, right? I'm not knocking that. But this was not a team that was in the Power Five to begin with that you've now brought into the Power Five. They were not ready to play this level of competition. And I I cannot stress it enough to people when everybody brings up like, oh, well, they did this, they did Understand, they beat a TCU team that had 85% new offense. TCU, in my opinion, didn't deserve to be ranked at the start of the season to begin with, all right? Good win, though. I'll give it to them. They blew them out. Good win. That's how they got ranked to begin with. They played a terrible Nebraska team recovering from the Scott Frost era. All right. A terrible Nebraska team. They've been recovering for years. So, I mean, it was bad before Scott Frost, and it stayed bad with Scott Scott, Frost. Well, Scott Frost really drove it into the ground. You know what I mean? Scott Frost did the old Willie Taggart for for Oregon back in, what, 2017, 2018, when he went 7-5 with a built Oregon program. All right. And then you followed up a terrible loss in which you stormed the field, mind the way. What a joke to storm the field against Nebraska. I don't give a shit if it's a rivalry game or not. You stormed the field against an unranked Nebraska team. Get out of here. All right. But I get where the excitement's at because, again, this is a Jackson State team. I get, I get it. I don't even I get it the fir- I, I don't get know the what fir- conference they're in. Uh, Jackson State or? Yeah, Jackson State. They're, well, they're HBCU. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know the exact conference. I mean, I could look it up. But they also stole on the field against Colorado State, Doc. So, I mean, I guess it's both rivalry games was there. Well, the first excuse was rivalry game in years of being bad at Colorado. And then Nebraska, Colorado State was it was a big rivalry game. Yeah, but, that, that doesn't uh, matter. You, yeah. you beat nobodies, you know? You beat nobodies. Uh, again, props, you beat a Power 5 school in Nebraska. But it's still a very terrible Nebraska team that is still not – a pimple on the Big Ten's ass, all right? Uh, and then you came out, and like I said, double overtime against Colorado State. That is where Colorado got exposed for the football team that they are. I'm not saying that they're a terrible football team. I'm not saying that by any means. But they are not a Power 5 competitive football team. They are not ready to be in the talk of greatness. They are not ready. All of the hype is around Coach Prime, and that's what the worst part is for these kids that are coming out and battling and trying to go pro or trying to make a future for themselves in this game. Um and everything is clouded by Coach Prime. And Oregon head coach said it the best pregame in the locker room in the in the pregame hype talk. You know, he said, Colorado's playing for clicks. We're playing for win. Big difference. And it was very, 
very evident on the outcome of that game. And like I said, I think Oregon let off. I think if Travis Hunter's there, I think maybe Colorado scores one more touchdown. I think they maybe hold one back from Oregon. Uh, I think maybe another turnover from Bo Nix. But again, 42-6 to early in the second half. I think that they really let off the gas. Um, I think that if Travis Hunter was there, Oregon might be maybe a little bit more worried. And I think that they're they're pushing a little bit harder. Personally, I think Oregon should have continued it and continued to humble. Um continued to humble Colorado. One thing I will say about Coach Prime, um good on him. You know Yeah, he took it. Good old fashioned butt kicking. Yeah, he took it. Is what he called it. But at the same time, listening to listening to him say I don't take shots. That ain't who I am. And and to hear everything that happened to Colorado State game, like, come on, dude. You can't you well, can't just speak what's right in the moment and and contradict yourself. I will say though the th- so he he has taken shots, but it's more somewhat. So like for Colorado State, for example, I brought this up to Chris is that Colorado State the coach did start that. You know he mentioned his he mentioned the whole well my mom raised me this. So like I, and I get what Coach Prime was feeling. He felt that okay, well you're saying that my mom didn't raise me to be a, a you know the perfect you know gentleman or whatever. So I understand what he was coming from. So then he took shots following. He's like a retaliation kind of guy. It's like an eye for an eye. That's what he. Did. I get that. I get that. But you could have you could have taken the shot in the presser. You could have done something to keep between you and him. The whole sunglasses thing, that was like the definition of playing for clicks, man. That that was a definition of publicity, and, and I don't give a shit either way. You did it. You did. I'm not saying I'm mad that he did that. I'm mad that you did that and then came out and like good old fashioned butt kicking, man. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna take shots at him. That ain't me. That ain't who I am. Bullshit. Well. You got upset about a sunglasses comment. You went out and bought sunglasses for everybody in the goddamn state of Colorado. Well, there's no shots really to take at Oregon because I get it. Uh, Coach Landing did that in the locker room. He probably knew there was a camera, yes, but he didn't do it in the pressers leading up to the game. He didn't do it after the game. You know, he 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 kept the game humble, like leading up to it. Like so, like Coach Landing really respectful um, before the game, which kept Coach Prime respectful as well. They they respected each other. Yes, I get it. I like what he said about the clicks, but Oregon used to do the same thing with the uniform changes. Obviously, they do it now still, but they used to do it back in the day to get recruits. And they were playing for clicks back in the day, and they built a program. Like you said, Doc, I don't think Colorado's a bad team. I think they're a solid eight-win school. I, I think looking at their schedule here. I don't, yeah, I, but I don't think they're a big – I don't think – this team anyways coming from Jackson State in the transfer portal is not a big 12 team or a, a well, Pac-12 team. I, well, not not Pac-12. They'll, they could be a decent Big 12 team. Yeah, they, they could fare in the Big 12 with, with this squad, yeah. Because Texas and OU are leaving, and right now OU seems like they're, they're playing a lot better than they did last year under Coach uh, Venerables, I think it's his name. And then, uh, obviously, Texas is playing really good this year. But I think Colorado can go in here. They can beat Arizona State. They can beat Stanford. I think they could push UCLA, honestly. We'll see with Oregon State. They can beat Arizona, and then they have to finish at WSU and Utah. I think this week against USC, let's talk about that real quick. Um, the game, I think it's going to be a shootout. I, I don't think USC's defense is as good as you know, as as good as Oregon. They're not they're not one of the best defenses in the Pac-12, honestly. So I think that USC is going to keep this close with Colorado. I think Caleb Williams is better than Shador Sanders. I think USC's offense is just better. They're also healthier. They don't have like one of their best. They don't have their best receiver out. But I think that Caleb Williams is going to outperform Sanders just by a little bit. It might be forty-five to thirty-eight. It might be a high-scoring game. I really think it's going to be both teams in the, at least the 30s against each other. I think it's going to be the, the spread right now is 21 and a half. I do think that this time Colorado keeps it a lot closer than they did against Oregon. 
No, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna disagree with that. Um, I'm taking USC on the spread. I think it's going to be a runaway train. Um, 475 yards against per game on Colorado, and I'm going to tell you right now that didn't come against US uh, against Oregon. That did not come against Oregon. Uh, three or almost 400 yards passing. Um, or was it? How much was it in that game? But anyways. As I pull back up, um, Caleb Williams obviously has, you know, been pulled early in games. Um, the run game obviously is a struggle, and Shador Sanders was absolutely atrocious last week. I think 150 or 170 yards passing for him, um, sacked seven times, showed, you know, if I'm USC, my focus on winning this game, which I don't think is going to take much, but my focus on winning this game is getting pressure to the quarterback. Showed Oregon showed exactly what you can do with pressure to Shador Sanders and this Colorado offense and how much you can shut him down. And the fact that the run game is practically non-existent in a very run-heavy, whether it be the running back, the option, whatever the case is, in a very run-heavy football, uh, pro, uh, uh, you know, like the NCAA. Uh, 159 yards passing for Shador Sanders, though. Um, but, abs- I mean, you know, yep. USC's given 364 yards <laughs> a game, too. So, I'm not – like I said, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be high scoring. I, I think because USC's I, it's going to for USC. I I'm think not saying I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that Colorado's not going to score some points. I mean, I'm, you, you may be looking at like a 56-21 situation, but again, 450 something yards against on offense and 282 of those yards uh, passing last week against Oregon. So nothing crazy there, right? Um, the run game got 240, so that was a big deal. Um, the run game was definitely very strong for Oregon in the last game. A lot of big plays. Yeah, that little um, running back. That, that little running back to Oregon had. Dude. That little man is. Whew. Yo, he was fucking. He was looking for contact, too. But, no, I mean, USC, their defense has not been lights out like in Ohio State, um, you know, or Notre Dame, who, who's given up 270 yards a game. Um, 364, though, is, is respectable. Um, USC coming off of wins against. Arizona State, Stanford, two uh, two conference games. Um, they took down Nevada and San Jose State. I think the San Jose State game that opened up the season was their was their biggest problem. Um, and then there were obviously some yards. Uh, Arizona State actually <clears throat> watching that game. What the hell's uh? I know we the hell's that quarterback's name. Me and you were playing uh, COD last week during that game, and you were like saying like I, every time you kept saying I didn't have Pine a game or something. On. Pine was like ten of twenty six for like forty yards at one point or something like in the fourth quarter. So uh, USC, I'm not sure, honestly, I, I, I don't remember because I was watching briefly as we were playing COD, but uh, I obviously wasn't watching the game as intently. So I didn't catch in on every play and, and everything that happened. So I don't even know where the 28 points came from um, in watching that game. Let me see. Yeah, if it I, was, can... I, I mean, I, I've been saying it since the season started, like, well, actually since the TCU game, I thought that I still think it, Colorado is going to play good offense of offensive football against the USC Trojans. They're going to struggle against teams like Utah, Oregon. If they had to play the Washington Huskies, they would struggle against them because those three teams play defense. USC, and it's all it's not just because it's USC. Lincoln Riley focuses on offense. He did it with Oklahoma, and he's doing it clearly with USC now. He would rather outscore you fifty-five to fifty-one. That's the way he likes to play ball. That's the way it works out there for him and respect it. It's, I mean, it works for most of the time, but when there's games like this where if you let Colorado score 50 plus points or 40 plus points and you have to do the same thing, 
it's going to be a shootout, and I think it's going to be closer. I really think that Oregon, or I'm sorry, Colorado can keep this to one score game. I really do believe it. I don't think they're going to win, though, but I think they can hang in there with USC just because both teams do not play defense. That's my main um, thing. It's the defensive side of the ball. It's going to keep uh, Colorado kind of hanging in there with them. Yeah, I'm again. I'm going to disagree. I mean, uh, USC's defense obviously has been has been lacking a little bit this year, but I'm not going to say that they don't play defense uh, to the point of of what Colorado State. Because again, we saw last or Colorado. I mean, because again, we saw last weekend with Colorado State. They they really had a hard time locking down. Uh, you know, again, one of the worst programs in the country, locking down against them on offense at home, mind you, at home they couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they're on the road against USC. They're no, they're home at USC. And that speak of that, shame on. I get it. It's it's the fucking big noon kickoff, but shame on college football for allowing it for Colorado to be playing a game at 10 a.m. their time, 9 a.m. USC time. That is so ridiculous for these, these students out there that are playing ridiculous for the students that are going to the game at 10 a.m. I'm sorry. Like I get it. You go to college game day. If it's there, you're gonna have a good time, but you're allowing these players to play at 10 a.m. When they're just now like, that's their way of waking up like that. Their schedule is so <laughs> fucked, especially when it's not like it's a road game. It's it's a home game, so like it's on your. Con- it's like the Seahawks Dude, playing these, out here. These kids ain't played nine ten o'clock in the morning since freshman high school football team. You know what yeah. I mean? That's like that's like the Seahawks. Like I was to say, playing at one p.m. Eastern, where it's ten a.m. their time, and they're the home team. That's what it, that's what yeah. it feels like. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. No, that's surprise they're allowing. That's it, awful. And, and that's also, awful, but we didn't mention it. Shame on Fox Sports too. I understand that coaches, and I was listening to Deion Sanders say it. I was listening to. Uh, Richard Sherman talked about it. Coaches do trade like, like tips. They they trade film, they trade you know advice. Coach Prime said the same thing. He's done it already too. But shame on Keyshawn Johnson and them for bringing it up, making it a big deal. Like nobody does it that people are helping Oregon just fo- focus on uh, Colorado and not the same in return. Like like Coach Prime wasn't doing the same thing for Oregon. They all do it. So why the fuck are you bringing it up that it's not the world doesn't want prime to like just fall on his fucking ass and fail some people do yeah but like you when you do this now you're like you're separating everyone and that's just so bullshit every coach does this they fucking get film from other coaches and they get advice just the way it works yeah and honestly i mean yeah film is definitely passed on i'm not too worried about it um i mean there's obviously film that they watch in a number of different ways i mean all the film by the league is made available you know um the team's taking personal stuff is one thing, but I'm not reading too much into that um, because at the end of the day, again, I just think Oregon was a better program, film or no film, whatever was shared, you know, allegedly, whatever the case is, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I don't think Oregon needed a roadmap to get that win against Colorado the same. I don't think USC does. Um, I think I think Colorado can put up some points in this game. Um, is Hunter back this week? I know they're trying to rush him back, but he was supposed to be out for at least at least two to three weeks. So I don't know. Yeah, I, it's still question again. I I don't even think that makes a difference. I think USC is going to run over him. Um, Colorado got got knocked off the rankings, and I think it's appropriate. I think that that game against Oregon and just the the reality, you know, that they couldn't even stand. You know, they didn't even have a leg to stand on in that Oregon game. I think showed. Um you know, the panel and, and voting that like, Hey, maybe, maybe we rush this. Maybe they didn't really deserve to be here. I think they got a lot of credit for beating again, a, a pretty much facelifted TCU team. That was, that was almost brand new across the board. 
Um, a terrible Nebraska team. Even the Colorado State game, they only went up one position. Um, and then I think they got humbled by Oregon, and they came out and said, hey, maybe maybe we did something wrong here. But yeah. um, I'll tell you what, if, 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 I'm, if I'm making a parlay this weekend, I'm taking USC covering the spread. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not saying Colorado don't score points, but I think USC is putting up over 50. Um, spread is 21, which means that uh, Colorado would be need to be less than 29 uh, or 29 or less. But I think USC comes out and absolutely steamrolls them again. I think that especially coming off the disheartening um, blowout that they had last week, I think they're going to come out a little flat. Um, and USC has that same explosive offense, the capabilities of what of what Oregon did. So I think coming out, getting an early score, especially if you get a turnover in that first possession or force a three and out like they did and come right back and drive it down their throats and go up 14-0 early in the first, Colorado's not recovering. And it showed last week because Drew Pine last week against USC finished with 220 yards. This man, I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing in the fourth quarter at one point, he had 40 yards passing. Um, he was averaging like a half a yard per attempt or some shit. Ended up finishing with 220. So it showed, you know, especially in a blowout where, where the secondary comes in and, you know, the starters start getting some yards, start putting some plays together, or just the pressure of, hey, game's coming down, time to start taking shots, right? Talk about five-minute quarterbacks. Start taking shots yeah. at the end of the game. Um they tried that last week with Colorado, and and they couldn't they couldn't get anything going. 159 yards passing for Shadur Sanders in the whole game, it, absolutely atrocious. He couldn't get nothing going even late in the game, even even on fuck it, throw it up, see what sticks to the wall. Couldn't make nothing happen. And when you yeah, yeah. don't have a run game that can that can stand up and complement the pass offense, the play action is useless because you know they ain't running the ball. And if they are, you'll stop them anyways. 25 rushes for 40 yards. Please run the ball, please. We'll let you have a couple of yards just to get your hopes up, and then we'll and then we'll shove it down your throat. Yeah, and we'll definitely lose this game, Doc. Next week, uh, if it's close, maybe we'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk about if it's close. If it's a blowout, we'll maybe just mention it. And let's just mention a quick Almost one here: six hundred yards offense per game. USC three seventy seven in the pass, one ninety two in the run. Colorado averaging two hundred yards against in the run. It, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a runaway turn. And and we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like I said, we'll revisit this one for sure. Let's just do a quick one on this one because we, we mentioned Alabama almost every single week. And they found some offense stock in the second half. It was 7-6 going into the half, and they, they won the game 24-10. So they scored 18 in the second half. Milrow looked a lot better. The run game looked a lot better in that, that second half. Did Alabama find enough here to build the confidence? To Like we mentioned Ohio State, did they find enough right here with this with this offense, get the rhythm going, keep pushing. Yes, they do play Mississippi State this week. Then they got AM at AM. So can they muster up some games here right before Tennessee and LSU uh, coming to town? Can Alabama get back going on the offensive end? I mean, did they did they find it offensively? Yeah, they did. They did. They played a very, very tough Ole Miss team. Uh came out and and won by by two scores. Uh, 24 to 10, so a very impressive win. Milrow finally looked like the quarterback that, that Alabama's been looking for. Uh, but the big question right now is consistency. Is Milrow going to come out and keep doing the same thing? And that's where a lot of the issue lies because we've seen flashes of Milrow all season long, um, but it's just been that consistency. He has a really good quarter, and then it comes out and looks like he's playing on, you know, Madden rookie mode and can't can't complete a pass. Um, you know, they, they've had some very difficult games um, for Alabama this season, so – you know, it's going to be, I think, what – what, and don't get me wrong, Milrow looked a lot better but did not look like a team leader by any means. 
I'll, I'll give this one to the fact that they did play Ole Miss, um, a very good Ole Miss team. But 17 to 21 was great on the completions, 225 yards. I'm not even mad at that. Um, average 10.7, you know, per pass. Um, had a score, gave a touchdown or uh, gave up an interception. I mean, uh, the QBR is 64. So not really sure why that QBR is so low because um, 17 yeah, completes for 225 yards is not bad. Um, and QBR the QBR, really I know, is a lot more inflated for for college. Yeah, and so, Doc, it's, it's not just the consistency. It's playing in a – I mean, I get it, Mississippi State's 2-2, two and two, but it's going to be a 9 p.m. Eastern game. It's going to be nighttime in Mississippi State. The place is going to be rocking because, you know, they're going to see Alabama lose. I, I mean, that's what the SEC uh, way teams or when Alabama travels, every fucking stadium gets packed. They want to see it. So can he survive this hostile environment? It's going to be interesting. You know the defense Mississippi State's going to come out hot. They're going to try and come out hot at least. They're going to try and put pressure on this QB. The consistency is the thing. That's what we want to keep an eye on. The defense has been pretty good this year. We haven't questioned Alabama's defense. Defense has been yes. great. Texas was the lone the lone bad game, but, I mean, Texas offense, we know they're explosive when they can block for Quinniers. So, I mean, we, we know what we can do as a Longhorns nation, but they've looked good. They looked good against Ole Miss. They controlled uh, Dart out there. They, they played Yeah, they made good. Dart look bad. Yeah, so – They've been playing pretty good. I was looking at the stats. Like, they're only, like, getting, like, 12 points a game or something like that. So, the defense is going to be there. We're going to see what they can do, Doc. But big games this week. Hey, I was mentioning big games. Uh, that was a big game. I thought there's four top 25 matchups. We've already mentioned Duke and Notre Dame, LSU versus Ole Miss. You know, at Ole Miss, Ole Miss needs this game to, to bounce back if they want to Ole Miss needs there. a rebound. They do. I mean, LSU. This is a only... season maker for both these teams. Well, LSU's only loss is to Florida State. So, they can survive one conference loss. Ole Miss can't survive two, not not in the West. They cannot survive that in the West. And then Utah, Oregon State, but LSU Friday. Going, LSU going to a two loss a two loss season though. At, at thirteen, they're not making the playoffs if they if well, they like, drop another one. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs, but they can keep their conference championship. I mean, which is kind of what happened last year. They were in that situation where they they lost to you guys uh, week one, and then I believe they lost another game um, before they lost in the last game of the year if I'm not mistaken. And then or Friday night, Utah at Oregon State, 10 versus 19. It's a big game. Oregon State's coming off that loss, so they need to bounce back with a win here too. Utah's undefeated in the top 10. So the Pac-12, you know how they are. They're they're loaded. People, so Some good teams is going to happen to lose, just the way it works. So and Both these teams playing tremendously defensively. Oregon State has shown – or, uh, excuse me, Utah has shown to be one of the best defenses in the country so far this year. Um, Oregon State. Um, defense has been phenomenal for them as well. I, I don't expect much much rushing um, for both these teams. Oregon State, mind you, is a is a very heavy rushing football team. Two hundred twenty four, almost two hundred twenty five yards a game rushing uh, on the ground. Um, so Utah, their fifty one yards against rushing is going to get put to the test this week. But uh, Oregon State, coming off like you said that loss last week against Washington State, a very very I mean Washington State is a very heavy pass attack team. They have been for years. Um, but not a game really that you can afford to lose Washington State coming off of three cupcake teams that, you know, and then this is the problem with having these cupcake teams early. This is why you got to get some real competition early. Um, but Utah coming off of big wins against uh, UCLA, low-scoring game. Weber uh, blew them out. Uh, close win against Baylor, even a close win against Florida. Um, but Utah looking very impressive, still without starting quarterback. Um yeah, they just, Offenses keep, they, where, they just keep rotating that, like the, the two and three quarterback around. They just keep. Yeah, it's a revolving door over there, man. 
It's and really like, it, hey, who wants it this round? Who wants it this when drive? You, when you have a defense that's give up nine and a half points, I mean, come on, like, I, the QBs just all I have to do is get me fucking a touchdown and a field goal, and then we essentially win the game. And then Dolphins, I may not do it this week. Well, that may not do it this week, but um, yeah. no, the, the defense is definitely what's been carrying Utah. So this is going to be, I think, Notre Dame and Duke be damned. This is going to be my game of the week, I think, is Utah and Oregon State. Because Oregon State has been an explosive offense. Two hundred, Like I said, almost 225 yards on the ground, 235 through the air. Um, they've been a very, very exciting offensive team to watch, although they've played cupcake teams. But two very good defenses pitting up against each other. This is This is my game of the week. This is where I think game day should have been. Yeah, I mean, I get why they're in Duke just because Duke is – it's something different. Like, they're not that traditional basketball school this year. They are 4-0. They're ranked 17. I get it. Like, I, I mean, honestly, if Ole Miss would have came off that win against L- or Alabama, you could have put game day there. That's a, that's my game of the week. If I'm not – as a non-biased fan of college football, I want to see this SEC matchup with the, out there in the West, LSU, Ole Miss. But Don, oh, that I, one. Yep. I mean, I'm a little biased. I think that – you know, Texas playing host to Kansas right here, number three versus number 24. Like like I mentioned with Duke, this is not a traditional basketball school. This is not the shitty Kansas that we're so used to for football. They were good last year. Don't don't forget, they were in the Big 12 running for a while, and they fell off the second half of the season. But it's a trap game, in my opinion, too, because we, have, we play Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry next week. So we can't just look ahead to Oklahoma, for Oklahoma. We have to get through number 24, Kansas. Like I said, they are ranked. They're playing good football. We are home. We have to protect Quinn Ewers. I've been saying it all fucking year. We protected him against Alabama, but for some reason else, we keep playing against down against our competition. A lot better last week against Baylor, but still, he got hit too much last week, I thought, as well. So, Quinn Ewers needs to get protected to get these fucking receivers and Sanders, our tight end, involved. Our defense is playing fucking phenomenal. Like, I mean – I'm not just I'm this is the first year I think in a long time I'm not pissed off at my Longhorns defense. So for so many years we were getting like fucking 20 30 points every single week and we're hanging in there we're like 12 points a game. I love what we're doing on defense, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think Texas and Kansas Kansas is going to come out here with something to prove too. They're coming out here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Another very exciting game. Uh, Kansas, the offense has been a little bit of a step up this year, but I think that a lot of that goes into that uh, Texas-Alabama game because Alabama played very strong defensively against Texas. Um, Texas, I think, uh, is getting better on their on their opportunities. We saw in uh, the Alabama game, you know, a lot of a lot of big plays overthrown, a lot of big plays missed on both sides on uh, you know on, on Alabama and Texas. So. You know, not trying to call out Texas or anything because it was definitely both of them had some huge oh, yeah. opportunities that could have put this game away a lot sooner. Um, but defensively, this is going to be a very good defensive matchup. This is right up there with the Oregon State and Utah game. These are going to be the two that I'm going to be biggest focused on um, because while Notre Dame and Duke is a is a high, you know a good ranked game, um, I personally think that Notre Dame. We'll see how Hartman comes out after last week um, if he gets his juice back and and you know, can find some sync with the offense and make some plays happen. Um, hopefully come out a little bit stronger. But I personally think Notre Dame's going to run away with that one. Um, I hope they don't, obviously. I hope they lose because I don't like Notre Dame. Um, but I think uh, the Texas-Kansas matchup and the Utah-Oregon State is going to be uh, – and, and then I'll give Alabama and the in – the, or not Alabama, um, LSU and Ole Miss the other one. Um, those are going to be my three – my big three key games to watch. Yeah, I'm going to unfortunately have to miss the Duke game um, 
birthday party, you know, dad duty calls. I, I sacrifice Saturdays for the little ones. So um, I'll be able to watch the Texas oh, I'm probably game. missing the whole day. So I feel you. I'm going to be I'm going to be out of town this weekend. My brother's getting married. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be missing that that whole weekend. No, I'll, I'll get the Texas game and then literally – um, cause it's 1230 game for me right after that game. I can start getting ready for the birthday party. We'll leave about an hour after the Texas game. So we'll have to miss the Alabama game. We'll have to miss the Duke game and the Northern Dame game, but Hey, four top 25 matchups this week. We got one Friday night and the other three on Sunday or Saturday. So I mean, right now conference play is starting to bring, starting to juice up the week, starting to get us ready. Doc, mm-hmm. we're a third of the way done it's going by fast, going by real fast. And I hate to see it. And we do college football in this year. I think it's a quarterback race at the moment. I don't think any receivers stand out. No running backs really stand out. Travis Hunter missing time. It's going to hurt his chance for the Heisman. Who is your early Heisman favorite? Maybe some candidates that's right there behind him. I mean, you know who I'm high on. I'm high on Michael Penix Jr. out of the University of Washington. Dude's got six over 1600 yards, 16 TDs, two interceptions. Yeah, he's got two interceptions, but he leads the fucking nation in passing. For touchdowns and yards. So, and he's just not looking back. He's just not looking back at all. And he's missed the fourth quarter just like Caleb Williams has. So, I mean, it's not like he's playing the whole damn game. Yeah, a number of guys that I'm looking at this year. Um, I think, like you said, it's going to be a runaway quarterback year. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., I'm, he, I'm growing on him, or he's growing on me, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm starting to get on that train. Um, phenomenal work that he's been doing last year. You know, I think that he just didn't get the hype that he deserved last year. Um, so in no particular order, uh, I'm just going to, at this point in the season, I'm not going to rank where I think they're at. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw names out there. So in no particular order, guys that I think are, are in the running for the Heisman, obviously Michael Penix Jr., obviously Caleb Williams. Um, one that I think is not getting talked about enough out of Florida State, Jordan Travis has been having an unreal season, finally putting the offense back on the map, going back to like the Jameis Winston days, um, the DeAndre Francois before he got hurt. You know, the offense is finally coming back together. And that receiving core in Florida State is, in my opinion, a top three in the nation easily. I mean, that that core is unbelievable. Um, I do think Shador Sanders, Doc, if they, if they start winning again. He's a big rebound. He needs a big rebound. Like I said, a lot of the Heisman guys, we mentioned this off air, a lot of the Heisman guys besides Matt, uh, Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams took a step back last week. Um, so Shador beats USC, and he puts up big numbers, and they don't look back. He can he can shoot himself back into that race too. So Hartman, I thought, took a hit back just because of the game. Still no interceptions, so he, he's got a shot to be to be up there. You know, he's not playing bad. He's still 10th in passing yards, 14 touchdowns. And, and zero interceptions. So he's up there, I think. And like I said, Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams. So he'll be up there all year. Yeah, he'll be up there all year. I mean, I Michael Penix is, is like I said, uh, he's growing on me. But um, at the end of the day, you still can't take away from Caleb Williams. He's still putting up the numbers. You know what I mean? So a lot of good candidates this year. I think as the as the season starts to progress now, as we get in a, you know get more, more steady in the conference play and start getting up against that stiffer competition, we're going to see who rises to the top. And who falls to the bottom in uh, some of these quarterbacks? You know, they've, they've been playing their preseason warm-up games in these non-conference. So, uh, you know, it's easy a lot of times for, for you know, 
I was going to use Ohio State, but I can't even use that. For Sam Hartman to look good against the Navy team, right? Real easy for Sam Hartman to look good against the Central Michigan team. So uh, we saw what happened with that Ohio State game, so we're going to see what happens. They start. To, I mean, they don't have any conference games, uh, but as they start to get into their Power 5 schedules and, and playing teams that are worth noting, you know, uh, a lot of these guys, it's going to be interesting. I think in a couple of weeks we may see some serious changes in the Heisman running. may see a running back emerge. Um and honestly, compared to compared to last season in, you know, Chase Brown, uh, B. John Robinson, I mean, there were a number of running backs that were that were in that talk to come away with it. Uh, and you're really not hearing that this year. And one one guy in particular that I was looking to step up and be that guy in the Heisman candidate, the non quarterback, was Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. out of out of Ohio State. And uh I think McCord's gonna hold him back. I think McCord's cool. gonna kinda stop him short a little bit. He played good against those two non-Power 5 schools. I know the Irish are on a Power 5 school, but we consider them the 70th member of the Power 5 if there was. So, Indiana, he struggled against them and the Irish too. Doc, like, I mean, I, I understand that too. No running backs. And I think if Travis Hunter was playing, he could make a, a case for it. But, unfortunately, he missed oh, last certainly. week. If he misses this week and possibly another week, it's going to be hard winning or winning it with only 10 or 9 games played. So, well, I'm going to tell you what's going to hurt him more than missing games, them rushing him back, them rushing him back and re-aggravating, and then he's he's going to be out longer. And honestly, um, I get what Colorado is doing, Travis Hunter. Um, I personally, they're trying to do too much with him. I mean, playing 120 downs a game, both up, you know, combining offensive and defensively, is just not something that is sustainable anymore. Um, in this game, whether it be, you know, at this level, you might be able to do it, but going to the NFL, it's just not something that you can sustain year after year in the NFL. You're talking to Shohei that's going to that's gonna play both ways for a few years, deal, you know, battle injuries, have all these problems. And, you know, you've heard me talk about it before with, with Shohei, not to get off track with baseball, but, you know, he was healthy for a couple of years, and I kept telling you guys, just wait, it's going to come back, it's going to come back, and sure enough, it did. And I, and I truly think if Travis Hunter – tries to continue both sides of the football when he gets up to the NFL level. Either they're not going to let him do it or he's going to get worn down very quickly. It's a much faster game, a much harder hitting game than it was years ago when you had some folks playing both ways. But um, I don't see him sustaining that regularly here at all. And before we jump to the next topic, shout out to Ronald Lacuna Jr., the first ever MLB player to get 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases in a year. I think you're the MVP for the National League, and good luck to the Atlanta Braves too. I mean, I'm not a big, I'm not a Braves fan, I'm a Yankees fan, but watching Acuna play, watching this Braves team, it brings back memories of the Chipper Jones days, Andrew Jones days, and those. So, I'm a big Acuna fan too, man. I've been loving his game. Sucked the year he got hurt a couple of years ago, but 40 stolen bases, 40 home runs last year. Uh, it was two seasons ago, I think. I think it was two seasons ago. He he got hurt. I know he but, came uh, back last year. Yeah, he came back last he year. He was out for like the first good bit of last year, and he did yeah, not like look the same. First a few weeks to a month is what he missed. But 40 home runs, Doc, 70 stolen bases, dude, that's fucking impressive. phenomenal. It is. Yeah, it's impressive. And him taking the base it's up. impressive. Like Atlanta's was... been real exciting to watch this year. Uh, they've been electric. Um, Matt Olson, especially. Boy, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I mean, he's always, you know, he's always had some power numbers, but this year. guy. Well, how many homers do you have now? I know he was in the 40s when I last saw saw it. He kind of sizzled off a little bit. I've been kind of stuck in football. My baseball gear hasn't been as high. I mean, 
also doesn't help that my team sucks. So Matt Olson's at 53 home runs, and that's what they were expecting last year from him when they when he took over Freddie Freeman. Home so runs. yeah, he. Um, I know Tony's not there anymore, so I'm not <laughs> sure he's leading the league. But um, no, yeah, big shout out to Acuna Jr. Doc. But hey, one last college topic before we just do a couple quick fantasy starts and sits. I know, like I said, we're a third of the season way done, and we had our f- playoffs. Is there any changes if you if you could change right now? Obviously. We're going to see how accurate we were at the end of the season. But there's, are there any changes that you can see now with your original uh, Final Four to your new Final Four? If you said, hey, five, you know, we're week five now. Who's in Who's in my new playoff and who's out of, of the, the new playoffs? Um, if I'm going, I'm taking. I'm keeping Georgia, by the way. I'll keep Georgia. I'm keeping Georgia. I think I'm going – I think I'm going to go Georgia, Texas, Florida State, and then I think four is a toss-up between Alabama – or I'm sorry, um, Michigan and Ohio State. I think that one's a toss-up because I think that that one is going to come down to the conference championship. So I'm kind of with you there, Doc. I, I do think Georgia – and I'm still waiting for cause just because it's been – so long since we've been good. I'm waiting for a Texas moment where we fuck up. Still waiting, waiting for a Florida for State moment, too. I feel you. So, I, I, if I'm going based on what I'm seeing, I'm seeing Georgia, Texas. The only reason why I don't have Florida State at three is because I think Penn State potentially can beat both Michigan and Ohio State. I'm going to put Penn State in there at three or Michigan. just depends on who gets that. Whoever wins Penn State, Michigan, I have winning the Big Ten. So, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say Penn State, their defense looks – or that both teams look phenomenal, but – I think Penn State's played a little stiffer competition, so I'm going to go Penn State at number three, jumps Florida State, and Florida State plays four. They draw Georgia in the first semifinal game. Texas, Penn State, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I just think right now it's hard to judge because no one – Actually, I'm going to take that too. I'm going to take Penn State at, at number four instead of the Ohio State-Michigan. Actually, I think, yeah. I think the winner of Michigan-Penn State, though, uh, wins it. I really do. Yeah. I think that – I think Penn State beats Ohio State, and I think Michigan beats Ohio State. And like I said, the winner of those will get in for their their side, and then it's all. Yeah, I want to. I want to hit. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with that, and I want to hit actually talking about um, picking. You know, what what would I change? Because in in what we've seen this year with Ohio State, I think Kyle McCord is the difference maker. Is what holds Ohio State back this year? Oh yeah. I agree. So I think, yeah, I think number four is going to be Penn State or Michigan. And if there was a, a, a fantasy, which I know we got, we got hit on YouTube about a fantasy, they needed two wide receivers and uh, someone on our followed our YouTube channel and put commented asking who we'd start. I know I told them the wrong name with Weaver. Weaver didn't have a good game. Uh, but we would sit Kyle McCord. So let's move it on. Let's do that. Fantasy talk real quick, Doc. We have some starts and sits out here. I say start Anthony Richardson. I really do. He should be back against the Rams. So if he's playing, start the guy. And I'm also going to piggyback that, start Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. has been playing really good football with Minshew and with Anthony Richardson. So I say stack them together. If you have them, that's great for you. You'll get the points for the QB. Yeah, AR is going to get those rushing yards as well. So he's also going to get those passing yards as well. He's a little unpredictable because you don't know what he's going to do at the moment. And he seems like Michael Pittman Jr. has been consistent this year. Play him together. I think the Colts have a big offensive game this week. Yeah, start him, sit him. Uh, quarterback, I'm going to go Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson finally showed flash of the pan last week um, and, and what he used to be against a 
a decent uh, Miami defense. I think coming up this week against the Bears, I think Russell Wilson's going to come out strong and and put up some numbers. Um, as far as the wide receiver goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different approach here. I'm gonna go more of like a deeper flex position versus like a Michael Pittman who okay. would who would probably start on most teams to begin with. Um, but with the recent Mike Williams injury, I'm going to go Quentin Johnson. Um, expecting him to step up and take a much bigger role with this Chargers offense. Um, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities. This Chargers passing game has been electric. Um, they've come out explosive. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance on Quentin Johnson. I think I might even start him against you this week. Yeah, well, I haven't decided that. yet, but I'm thinking about it. I still think Joshua Palmer is, the, is going to be the – maybe not the two on the depth chart, but I think he's going to be two in the target share. But I think though, Doc. I think it's gonna. Yeah, I think it's gonna come down. They're gonna throw it up to both of them and see who comes down, and that's gonna kind of set the pace. And and I think another start though, real quick, Travis Etienne. Atlanta's rush defense is the weaker of the pass rush side. Our pass defense. I still think Calvary has a big game, so I I really say start really too. But I already did my receiver. But start Travis Etienne. Don't start no. Don't start no receivers on the Jags. Tell you that right now. Fuck the Jags. I expect Lawrence to get really involved just because it's the Falcons. It's just kind of the. Revenge game, but I also expect ET to have a big game too. Like I said, Atlanta's rush defense isn't the best. We're in the middle of the pack. I think that teams could take advantage of that against us. We focused a lot on the, the passing side uh, with Trell and Trey Flowers and uh, some of the guys we got out there. But I think that ET is going to have a big game against the Falcons across the pond in London. So start ET and also start Ridley if, if you're asking me to. Yep. No, I, I think those are good moves. And then, um, We'll bring up some sit-ems here. Uh, yeah, you know, I want to talk about sit-ems. Too. Yep, I got some sit-ems for you. Um, let me start early here. Um, let me start out with the, with the obvious one. Um, New York Giants offense. Sit them. <laughs> sit them all. Don't matter who you got. Sit them all. Um, Bears offense. I'm not going to say the whole Bears offense. Uh, Cleo Herbert and Roshan Johnson, you stand a chance to to make some points with. Roshan, you know, it just depends on how the Bears utilize him um, and how well the game goes. Obviously, if they fall behind early like they did against Kansas City, you're probably going to see more through the air. Um, so it really depends on if the Bears stay in this game against Denver. If they do, expect an explosive run game. Um, well, Doc, I think a quick sit, Lamar Jackson. We talked about last night when we did our preview. The Browns defense is filthy disgustingly good like that's i know it's the fucking three words weird filthy disgustingly good that's that says fg yeah. uh, fil- filthy fdg that's my new uh, br- uh fucking quote for anything that's good the browns defense is going to be i think a very nasty game uh, for both sides even i can say kind of start maybe sit watson a little bit too i know he had a big breakout game last week but lamar jackson is going to be in a big game right here the defense is going to be focusing on miles garrett's going to be eating them alive there's a war out there in the secondary this defense is coming from Lamar Jackson. If you have a good QB two, start him over Lamar Jackson. Yep. And then my uh, my final sit-ems that I'm going to go with another blanket statement. Actually, you know we're just going to roll this on to one. New York offenses sit them, <laughs> sit them. Obviously, you're not starting Zach Wilson, but uh, because of the quarterback situation, do not start the, the receivers. Uh, I'm not expecting anything big out of them. And quite frankly, the the run game in New York between Dalvin Cook. I mean, they can't even fear who they want to give the ball to, but between Dalvin Cook. Uh, between Brees Hall, I mean, this has been an extremely disappointing um, rushing attempt by by the New York Jets. Um, so that's going to be my big one for the week. Sit the New York offense. Doesn't matter which side uh, that you're talking well, about. You mentioned you mentioned big names, Doc. I, I really think you you have this. You have them, Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon. You don't have Joe Mixon. 
But Joe Mixon did show some flashes last week. The Titans' rush defense is pretty good. I think the Joe Burrow and the offense, T. Higgins especially, is going to have a bounce-back game because of those drops. But sit Joe Mixon, sit Derrick Henry. These teams are focusing on Derrick Henry. They're stacking the box. They're trying to force Tannehill to beat them. I say sit Derrick Henry. I don't care what he has done in the past. Sit him. He's not getting you anything. Sit him. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened last week. I mean, that was obviously, you know, it was the first week that happened this season. I don't know what I'm, – I'm wondering if something happened behind the scenes, an injury that, you know, maybe tweaked something that they, that they didn't share. I don't know what's going on. Um, that surprised me because Derrick Henry is not a guy that you just don't give the football to. There's not a guy that you, just, that you just, you know, he has been King Henry for a reason uh, in Tennessee. So I'm extremely shocked. Um, that they kind of look like they went a different way, a different route in the running game last week. I don't understand what happened. I'm, I'm not going to start or sit him either way uh, or, or give that recommendation on him because really, this might be like a um, he might drop to DeAndre Swift. Yeah, this may be like a DeAndre Swift from lat, from from week one who got one touch in the game and then came out and exploded. You know, the next week and then uh, you know another 150 yards last week. So. Um, you know, obviously I'm hoping that because I got him in, I got him in redraft, but yeah, I mean, obviously if I, if I had him, I probably wouldn't sit him, but as a guy that doesn't have him, I see what's going on as a, as a football fan, these teams are just lining the boxes up and he's not getting any type of momentum going because he's getting hit so soon. And like I said, this might be a game. He drops 200 yards. We've seen King Henry do it a couple times. So wouldn't it be, wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. And Doc, I mean, like I said, hey, way to wrap up the week. Me and you, just a two-man show. We miss Chris and Luke. We understand duty calls. Uh, unfortunately, things happen, man. Things do happen. We were talking about it uh, last night. Uh, I forgot who I was talking about it, but during the holidays, especially when I move, it's going to be interesting on how we do the show. Hopefully, we'll figure it out by then. We'll, we'll have a plan by then if something happens or we'll doesn't figure happen. It out. So, if not, we might go on a couple week hiatus. It's just the way it works. But um, well, you know, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna need some time too with, you know, even well, Thanksgiving the and Christmas. Well, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we knew that week was gonna be a, sh- a shit show. But I'm trying yeah. to leave on a Wednesday. I'm trying to leave on a Wednesday, so um, I'm trying to leave on a Wednesday or Thursday. So we might just miss. But there's no college really after that middle of December. It's bowl game, so we might yeah miss middle of that that Wednesday, and then hopefully I don't get stuck in snow or anything. But Doc, I do want to say one last thing before we sign out. Big reports are we're about to get Taylor Swift in another fucking Chiefs game as she's supposed to be at MetLife Stadium in the box supporting, we don't know if it's her man yet, but her good friend, Travis Kelsey. As long as this doesn't bring out Brittany Mahomes to to try and clap back and try and get that spotlight. Because Taylor Swift's not bothering me. What she's doing in the press No, box. she's not. But – we don't need Brittany Mahomes coming back in here and trying to steal her spotlight, going on TikTok and going crazy. Because she's been quiet for a couple of years now. Miss Mahomes has. Yeah, she seems like she's kind of been dialed back. But uh, no, I, I think it's funny. You see the you see the videos of the girl like, oh, she's putting she's putting Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah, on the everyone and, and, and they're run. yeah they're doing it on purpose. Like I saw a guy in the army oh, uniform. He's like, oh yeah, he's what? So, stop everything that you said from the time I walked in here to now. Don't ever say it again. I saw some good ones on Facebook. People were like, so nice of Travis Kelsey to get like, like this, this female, this female singer up and coming, like 
you know, and they're like, yeah, Taylor Swift, that name sounds so generic, like good for Travis Kelsey. And I've seen like the opposite, like, <laughs> you know, they're probably enjoying it. Like, I, I don't think that Kelsey's doing it for clout. I, I respect the NFL and Fox and NBC for doing it. I mean, Hey, try to make a business here. I mean, do it, do it work. I think, I, I, mean, I think a lot more publicity was put on it than it needed to be, but I mean, no, I mean, it Kelsey, hasn't gotten in the way. It hasn't been a problem. Uh, Taylor Swift's not up there th- dumping drinks on people below the pre- you know below the boxes no. uh she's you know she she's a, not out there dancing on the memorial of a, a of a deceased uh washington commanders player she has a true image like not saying Brittany mahomes doesn't but like she is a Brittany mahomes doesn't she has a trashy image is what she has but she's she has, she has a fucking trashy image and i her think image. personally my opinion only my opinion only is that i think she has calmed down because i think it came down to like hey man this, or she got to stop coming to games. Because her image—that's what I personally think happened. Or her image does reflect Patrick Mahomes. Unfortunately, that's just the way it works. You're yeah. married, so you're the yeah. corporate. I mean, honestly, he's the face of the NFL, as we can say it now. He's the face of the NFL. But, but Taylor Swift's image is bigger than Travis Kelsey. I mean, she's a fucking worldwide pop star. Uh, you know, well, she, she wasn't making it about her. No, Brittany Mahomes made it about her. Yeah, I mean, you know what I Taylor mean? Swift looked like a straight fan in the box, just That's enjoying it. it. Get just it, maybe. I don't, to see we, don't, friend play. we don't know how long we'll she's been hanging Yeah, we don't know how long she's been hanging out with Kelsey, but if that's the first quote unquote date, bring him to meet the mom first date. Well, that's very a bold move. Very that's bold. That's a terrible move. first date. I, I well, gotta I mean, bring they, a girl to a first. Well, I gotta bring her to a first date and like, hey, so you'll be up here. I'll be down there for three hours. Well, did um, you see it? Afterwards, he brought her in the coop, convertible coop, and then she went out to Kansas City. She bought the whole restaurant out, like she bought everyone's food. So that was their Damn. maybe first date. We don't know. We we don't know. But hey, shout no, out! No good Travis story Kelsey. though. Heartwarming story. They're in love, dude. They're they're in love, and you know, clearly, we, we love clearly. to see it. We love to see it, dude. We love a good love story, you know, just like Taylor Swift's songs. So. But always a pleasure to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me as always. Um, hold it down next week. I will not be here. I apologize, everybody in the sack house. I will not be here on Monday. Um, I will be traveling, coming back from my brother's wedding. Um, so I will be picking up. Oh, Tuesday night. Also, may not be here. I got to go to an event thing for work. Um, if if you're not here, just text me your picks, and we'll read yep. it out. We'll yeah, I got to be there until 8.30, and I'm actually on leave that day, so I have to leave at like 5 o'clock, and then I'll get back like 10 o'clock, so it's just going to be a late late no, night we, for me getting home. So We can handle it. We can handle it. Just shoot us the picks if that's the case. But, hey, good luck this weekend in fantasy. We're playing each other. Same to you, month. brother. We're playing each other both leagues, actually. So <laughs> go out to the Bears. Florida State's not playing, so have fun the bye week. Chris, Luke, good luck to you guys' teams. Uh, this is about the Balls Podcast. I'm Mark Davis. That's Nick Lox Kirkwins, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House. <laughs>